What's going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieved stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Curtis Waters over a Zoom video. Curtis moved around quite a bit uh, growing up, born in Nepal, then moved to India, then back to Nepal, then to Canada, spent some time in Canada, and then moved to North Carolina. His family really isn't musical at all. His dad used to write poetry, so he started kind of writing poetry at an early age. Uh, but he talks about when he first started making music, he was singing in his room, and uh, his mom kind of laughed at him. And when he told her, oh, you know, I'm going to do music, some of his family just you know, kind of thought it was a joke. But obviously, billions of streams later, Curtis is doing quite well for himself in the music space. He talks about the first song people really resonated with as far as like his family and uh, people that didn't even know he did music. He talked about writing and recording his first album, Pity Party, in his college dorm room. He dives into the success of the song Stunning, which has over a billion streams. He talked about how it caught fire on TikTok and that gained him a lot of fans, a lot of support. He told us about re-releasing Pity Party online and all about his brand new album, which is called Bad Son. And the advice he gives at the end of the episode is, is brilliant. You can watch our interview with Curtis Waters on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Curtis Waters. Awesome. Hey, Curtis, I'm Adam, by the way, and uh, this is about you and your journey in music, and we'll talk about your new album and uh, everything else. Cool, sounds good. Nice to meet you, Adam. Nice to meet you as well. So uh, first off, talk to me. You, you were born in Nepal, and then what kind of moved around quite a bit, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like a pretty convoluted story, but yeah, I was born in Nepal, moved to India, then I went back, then I moved to Germany, then I went back, then I went to Canada, moved around there, then I went to America, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then I came back, so I've just been moving around a lot, yeah. Wow. is that dif Was that difficult as a, a child? I mean, it sounds like you live in a bunch of different countries, too, so not only uh, adapting to probably new culture and new people and everything else. Yeah. I mean, when I was 10, when I moved from um, like when I, when I lived in Germany, it wasn't like a huge deal. Cause I was too young to like really realize it. I think okay. well, this bird is fucking loud, man. Jeez. <laughs> loud it is. I can um, hear it a little bit, but it's all good. They want to get on the conversation. Looking for attention, man. But, um, then I lived, when I moved to Canada when I was 10, that was really hard for me. Mm -hmm. um, learning English, learning a new culture. But I mean, at this point, I think I'm kind of addicted to moving. Like, it sounds kind of insane, but I literally cannot imagine myself staying anywhere for more than a few months because I just get like an itch to leave because I've always been that way since I was a kid. So, yeah. Interesting. So, like, after getting to Canada, did you move? You said you uh, ended up then moving to the United States. Were you in a sp uh, specific state for a a good chunk of time or are you moving around even the states quite often um in the united states in north carolina we moved a lot um like we were in charlotte we were in Cary, we were in Morsel. we were moving 
quite a bit. I went to college in Greensboro. So it was like every year or so I moved spots, you know. Um, but still sounds like within North Carolina. Carolina when I was here, at least. And then I moved to L.A. this past year. So I was there for a year. Now I'm back, you know, just trying to figure out what life is uh, going to take me, where it's going to take me now. Okay. So you're back in North Carolina now? Yeah. I mean, I haven't even moved in yet. I'm actually in an Airbnb and I have all my studio stuff. I got to move into a spot in a few days, but yeah. Wow. Well, the place you're in looks nice. I mean, the at least the wood, the woodwork there. And the, and but it's nice. <laughs> nice trees. There's the a lot birds more, are nice. There's a lot more space in North Carolina. There's more um, time also, I feel like, than L.A. Oh, yeah, dude, for sure. I'm, I'm from San Diego originally, so I was really close to Los Angeles. And then I moved to Nashville, Tennessee or south of Nashville about two and a half years ago. And it's yeah, totally different. I mean, you have more space. There's like, yeah. you know, greenery and farms. It's just so different than living in California. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, so how did you get into music? Do you come from like a creative household when it comes to music or art or anything like that? Well, yeah, I mean, my dad was a poet. I mean, he still writes poems. So when he was a kid, oh, wow. read poems and stuff. So I remember when I was a kid, he was sort of helped me write my own poems when I was a kid. And I was always like drawing and, um, you know, doing creative stuff, making comics when I was a kid. Started doing graphic design. And then when I was 14, I was really into like Odd Future. I was mm -hmm. into a lot of like DIY music going on. So when I was 14, I remember uh, I just, you know, pirated like some music software and I had just like like watch youtube videos just trying to figure out but nobody nobody actually made music in my family like it wasn't like i could ask anyone for help and i never took any lessons or classes as a kid so i just kind of like had to figure it out you know wow so it's all just yeah basically youtube and you trial trial and yeah. error not even yeah just like trial and error just like making terrible music for years but like you know like seeing someone that I like and trying to emulate their sound and then failing and then coming up with something new. So that's sort of how everything's happened, even to this day, you know? Uh-huh. When did, when you started to make your own music, were you just creating what, like beats or something in Fruity Loops or some, some Always like that? But man, I was really anxious. I was really shy because, you know, I've never done it. And uh, I remember I was trying to sing in my room and, uh, um, you know, my mom could hear and she would like laugh and stuff. And I remember the first, oh, ouch. <laughs> I, I remember the first day I told her I was going to start singing. Like it was like, everyone was laughing. My family it was like a big thing, you know? So, um, I don't know. I, I was pretty secretive, but I was pretty shy about it, but, um, tried to do it more and more. I remember the beginning, I was just like whispering into the mic so no one would hear me, you oh, know? Sure. And then I went to college. I was making a bit more music then. Um, but yeah, I mean, eventually you just have to be like, fuck it, man. I, I just got to do it, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I do it now. That's funny. Do you ever do you ever bring that back to your mom? Be like, remember when you were laughing at me and yeah. hand, hand her like your platinum record from Canada? You're just like, oh, you can take. Yeah. I have two of these. You can take one. <laughs> yeah. I do, and it's funny, like, you know, even to this day, they don't always get it. Like, even like, like a few months ago, they're always like telling me to, oh, they're still like telling me to go back to college and like all this stuff sometimes. And like, I was like, mom, it's like real. Like I have a job, like this is what I do. You know what I mean? And um, I think when they went to my show for the first time, cause they had never seen me live. I uh, did a show in North Carolina. I was like sold out. There's so many people like we like turned the fuck up. Like it was incredible. And I think after that show, she was like, Oh, this is like a real thing. Like 
He understood at that point. I think so. That's funny. Yeah, I have a similar uh, story as far as that goes as well. Like I was on the radio in in California for like almost 20 years. And my my parents would still be like, so like, you know, are you going to like, you know, get a shoot? My mom would like send me like jobs and stuff. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Like, When was the last time I asked you for money? Not only that, but like she didn't understand. She's like, yeah, that's a cool hobby you have. I'm like, no, this is like legitimately a career. Like what the hell are you talking about? Um, but yeah, I think, uh, especially, I mean, my, at least my parents age and stuff like that, almost like that boomer crowd doesn't quite get like, oh, you can make money in art. Like they don't, it's like, I thought you had to go to college and then, you know, you get a job at this company and you work there forever and you have a 401k and all this, and all this other shit, but it's like, that doesn't even happen really. Yeah. And I think it's also like an immigrant thing because for immigrants, like education is sort of the only way out of the situation. Oh, sure. So like a very like culturally ingrained thing. And it's like super stigmatized to not do that, you know? So it's hard because for something like that, like you just have to eat shit until you can prove it. And like you hope to God that you can prove it one day or you're just like a fucking disappointment to everyone. So <laughs> That's a great way to put it. You just eat shit until you can prove it. Uh, that's yeah. funny, man. Um, so you, but you ended up going to college and you were still doing music. Were you, what were you pursuing at the time? Like, was there something that you were interested in or was it just like, okay, I'm going to do this for my parents to just kind of check this box off? Yeah, type shit. I did not care about college. I mean, it was fun for a little bit when I went, but like, dude, I was switching majors like every semester because I just, like, honestly, the reason I went to college was in my head. I was, like, buying time until I could do music full time. And I was like, okay, I'm just, like, going to be famous soon. So I'm just going to do this until I'm famous. Like, that was literally, like, the whole thing the whole time. Because I never get a job. Like, I remember my mom would talk about, like, oh, yeah, after you graduate, you can get a job. And I would be like, oh, my God, kill me. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, that sounds <laughs> fucking Um, Because, like, like, okay, if I do really good in college, what's my reward? Like, I have to go get a job. Like, it's fucking terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it's not even a guarantee, right? You could yeah. you could do great and somebody else could do subpar and still get a better job. It doesn't, there's no like, okay, I'm going to graduate. And when, if you score this high, then you're going to get this much money and get this job. But yeah, I was there for marketing. And then I was like, I hate all the business majors. And then I did film and I was like, oh, I don't know how to make money from this. Then I did psychology. I was like, okay. And then I just eventually ended up dropping out. So, okay. Yeah. Well, you're kind of doing like some sort of psychology now with your lyrics and everything else, right? I think, um, you know, you know, what's interesting is like the film studies helped. The psychology helped. I don't think the marketing helped actually. Because my idea was, okay, I'm going to go to college for marketing and they're going to teach me how to market my music i guess that's my thought process yeah like, that's smart fucking no they're lame bro they don't get it i mean <laughs> uh, they were like you need to cut your hair and you need to do all this shit i was like fuck you dude you don't know anything oh Shut wow up. so they were kind of trying to teach you how, yeah. how to market yourself they're like the, okay they're very like on the books like this is how you know you have to like intern here and you have to like fucking suck this like steel like i don't care dude like oh that's funny <laughs> it's just so like structured like i could not do it it was too much for me for sure well when you were doing your music even in college like uh you said you were obviously shy about showing your stuff or even like singing like at what point did you kind of get 
some courage or was there a moment that happened that you were like had some validation where you wanted to be like oh wow like okay people are digging this like you know i'm gonna start showing people more of what i'm doing you know it all kind of happened step by step it wasn't like this one moment but i remember um the first time i made a song that everybody liked and it wasn't even just music nerds or my roommates was i made this song called the feelings tend to stay the same and i had like lyrical lemonade posted i had all these people posted and i had like and i remember um my like nepali like family friend was like whoa this is you like there was just this, like disbelief about that song being me and everybody was like this is no way this is you and they were like yo this is like post malone like this could be on the radio and i was like oh shit um so i remember that was the first time i was like oh okay people can like my music um and uh, i had yeah, I like had this like whole like I was so scared after that because like, oh, my God, this is the best song I'll ever make. And I'll never make a song as good as this. I was really scared. But it was all like, you know, step by step. And then uh-huh. started a few months ago and that like blew everything out the water. So that was mostly it. But OK, yeah, it was stunning. That happened in 2020. Right. That's when it kind of took blew up. Yeah, it's stunning at the end of like 2019, I think near the ending half of 2019. And then. I dropped in 2020. Was that during like, I know it did, obviously it kind of got its go on, on TikTok, right? Yeah. And with that, like, were you in, was the pandemic at that point? Or like, tell me like, where were you? Were you still in college or like when and where were you when that started to yeah. work? Um, so I remember the reason stunning happened was really because of the pandemic. Cause I had just left college and I was doing online classes and mm-hmm. then I was like still working at my, I was working at this like place called Tropical Smoothie near my house. I just walked okay. there and like smoothie job. So I would go do my wor- smoothie work and then I would come home and do like my homework for school. And then I would spend like two hours making music, whatever time I had. But then the pandemic happened and then the, the job would like stop hiring me because of the pandemic. Yeah, they probably didn't, they weren't allowed to serve smoothies, yeah, I'm sure, right? I, um, I was just like playing Legend of Zelda every day for like, like a week or two straight. Like I was just like, I would wake up and just be like fucking in my underwear, just playing Zelda every day. And then by like the second week, I was like, fuck, dude, I feel bad. Like, I feel really guilty. I should not be doing this. And me and my brother were just like, dude, like, let's try to get famous. Like, we have so much time. Let's just try to get famous. And um, I had like teased this song called Stunning that I already had. I like didn't even know it was a good song. Like, I thought it was kind of stupid. Like, it wasn't a, the album, because um, it was just a le- leftover. But I teased it, and, like, a similar t- thing happened where, like, so many people that don't care about my music usually, like, were like, oh, my God, this is incredible. You know what I mean? Like, like people's moms were hitting me up. Just, like, random people that don't care about my music were hitting me up. So I was like, oh, this is, like, one of those songs. Like, people like this one. So, yeah, I mean, it was, like, it was the beginning of TikTok, like, like, honestly, like, before I came along, I can't remember, like, another artist that had, like, promoted themselves and became really big on TikTok to that degree before. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I was on TikTok. Um, it was a lot easier to blow up back then, too, because it was just the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think I a few times on TikTok, and, yeah, I went crazy. Wow. What was that like? Like, I mean, having that moment where the song just takes off, you're, like, probably, like, whoa, you know, I was, we were talking about, you know, getting famous and having something happen and then it it did right it doesn't sound like it happened that 
like yeah. much later, right? It was kind of yeah. sounds pretty quick as far as that went. Pretty, I mean, yeah. Like I think we were uploading. I think we uploaded like six, seven videos before it blew up. But uh-huh. there are like a lot of videos. But I mean, by now on TikTok, you have to post like fucking two hundred times before anything happens. But by then, back then, we were like posting six times. I was like, ah, I don't know. Should we give up? And then eventually, I did like one thing, and it blew up, and then the rest of them blew up. But, dude, it was fucking crazy. It was really exciting. I was really anxious, too. But I remember, bro, me and my brother were just staying up all night. We're like, dude, new another notification. And it was like in those movies where they're like, ding, 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 ding. It was like that. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, it was like a slot machine, right? You're just like, yeah. pull it. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. And so was the, the song was done, and you just, what, put a clip up? Um, me and my brother would put, well, we always thought it was like ironic because I always thought the whole like dancing shit was like really cringy. Like I thought it was stupid, but right. me and my, like, oh yeah, we're doing it ironically. So it's fine. So we would just like make up a dance video and we would like try to do the whole TikTok thing. And like, it was all like supposed to be like an inside joke between us, but it obviously wasn't because it was like a formula, but yeah, yeah. We were just making these like dance videos like every day for like two weeks and, uh, yeah, I think it was just early. You know, it was like the gold rush. Like, I think it was just right time because if I was promoting it now, I don't think it would have worked out. Yeah, but I mean, for for the song to I, I've, I've interviewed other artists that have had like kind of that moment on TikTok, but then to get people to not not only like like it there, but to then either open it up on another app, like stream it on Spotify or go to YouTube. I mean, that's like a whole other step that yeah. somebody has to take right i mean like it's easy to go flip through the, the tiktok and be like oh like this is a funny video or this is a this i like the sound and i'm gonna save it or i'm gonna repurpose it but like to actually then go oh, okay i gotta go find it on spotify or like okay i gotta go find it on youtube and now i'm gonna watch it on youtube like that people's minds or people's like attention spans are so short that they to take an extra step or two really means that the song was you know really impactful it was, yeah, I, I like still don't get it. Like I still, I'm like, why this song? Like I do not get it to this day. I like, I like listen to him. Like what magic is in here for like billions of people to enjoy it that much? Like I don't get it, but it's cool. I mean, it's a fun song. Um, but the thing with Tick, I mean, stunning was that it had already blown up before the song was out. So there was oh, a lot of okay. Then I uploaded it but then i had to delete it and take it down again for some like purpose like for some legal stuff so mm-hmm. when i took it down i was really anxious but then the hype just like kept building kept building and everybody was like oh my god this song's about to drop so when it dropped it had already like like it was crazy already like immediately everybody was like rushing to it so i think that's sort of like like kept it going you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i mean having that the anticipation of the, the, the yeah. actual song coming out it's funny, I was you on your Wikipedia page. Wikipedia has burned me in the past, but uh, it says Stunning has been streamed over 35 million times on Spotify. And then you go to Spotify and it like nearly has 300 million. Uh, <laughs> I have a plaque of it from like damn near like three years ago, or like two and a half years ago, the billion stream. So that's you know, crazy. That yeah, is so crazy, man. Uh, a billion. Think about that. That's like one ninth of the world. Wow. That's so insane. I had never thought that. That's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, a billion people. That's yeah. It's wild to think about how how big that is. I mean, um, so crazy. that happens. Right. And then is this 
at this point are people and labels must be like, Hey, you know, who's this guy? Like who's Curtis waters? Like what, what, what do you have going on? Like, or was it another thing where like, tell me kind of what came of that? Like, obviously like, it's awesome to have the streams and people's and, and people's attention and stuff. But it's like, at that point, are you like, okay, I got to put out something else like right now or are like record labels being like, Hey, you know, what's this guy up to? Like what, what kind of followed from that? Yeah, man. I mean, it was like, it was cool, but it was like a lot of bullshit too. I was just on calls every day and like, you know, like people don't really care. You know, like they just see a cash, like they just see like the dollar sign and they'll come in and they'll be like, Dude, I really love your story and your immigrant. They'll like just say all this stupid shit. They don't care. Um, a lot of bullshit calls, but, uh, it worked out. I mean, it was cool. We landed with a good partner. Um, I don't know. It was, it was you know, I was naive also in a way because I had never done like the music industry shit. Like I was just a kid, you know, I was in college. I was like, I didn't know anything about the legalities of it. So I definitely right. made some mistakes there, but you know, I was like literally like doing like a meeting with a label or a manager. And then immediately after I'd like be Googling, like what is publishing? What is like, how do you get a lawyer? Like, I didn't know none of that, you know? So, um, I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was very confusing and like gave me a lot of anxiety, but I think it ended up working out, you know, which is cool. Uh, yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I could imagine how overwhelming that would be, especially since if you didn't, it's not like you came from a, a family that had experience in this industry or anything. And it's like, okay, yeah. now what, like what's publishing? Like these people want to do something with me, but it, you don't know, am I going to get taken advantage of? Like, what is the, yeah, exactly. I, I, I can see how overwhelming that could become. Yeah, there was a lot of, lot of shitty deals that I almost signed, you know, that I almost got into looking back and I'm like, damn, like, honestly, like, if you know anything about the music industry, you'd read that and be like, these guys are fucking scumbags. But the, <laughs> they think about it, it's like these grown adults they're preying on these kids that they know they don't know what's going on, you know? And uh -huh. they'll pass, oh, we're doing your favor. Look how good this is. But, like, if anybody that knows anything about the industry read these contracts, you'd just, like, laugh at them, you know? So, yeah. It's it should look I, back on. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you don't have the, if you just go, okay, this, this person is a part of this or has this credit or success, like, I could see yeah. it being very easy to be like, oh, yeah, I want to jump on board. Like, that person has had success with, x y and z like why can't i be a part of that but yeah if you look into it you Dude, know maybe you're not yeah. making any money <laughs> that's crazy right before stunning dropped this like it wasn't a label it was like fucking three guys they were like trying to sign stunning for a thousand dollars not even to me a thousand dollars for marketing and i wanted it so bad like because i had never like gotten a deal before and i was like oh my god this is like gonna work you know and they like pulled out on it last minute and i was so mad and that was kind of why i was like fuck it i'm just gonna blow it up myself i don't care and then once that started working out they would not leave me alone they're like bro oh, I bet. like dude you guys are stupid you're yeah. like you know that thousand dollars add two more zeros to that thing <laughs> at least <laughs> um i was gonna say so it, you had uh was pity party done prior to stunning or was it like okay, that that's works. I have some other songs. Let me put an album together. Yeah, I mean, Pity Party had dropped like damn near like six months already before the official release after Stunning. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it had already come out. So after that, um, after Stunning blew up, I kind of like took down all my music. 
and um yeah we just like dropped the same album again and then we just put um then we put stunning and system on it those like two new songs um but yeah yeah it was already out it was already done okay and you from again i've been burned from this before but it, you recorded that at your, at your dorm in, in college yeah, a lot of that was in my college dorm. Some of them were like in random apartments I was staying in with my uh, family. Most of it, when I think about it, was in my college dorm. Yeah. That's wild. Is that where you did stunning as well and system or was that later? No, system was when I had moved back to my uh, uh, like left college and I, was, I had moved back to my mom's house and uh, I was in this uh, one room downstairs. Yeah. But still, I, I mean, to do all of that, it's it's so crazy to think like, you can have a song that has a billion been streamed a billion times and it wasn't done like in, you know, uh, RCA or some big, you know, studio setting. Like you put a whole album out that was done basically in a, in a dorm or at your mom's in one room. Like that's so yeah. wild to think. Dude, I mean, even to this day, I don't think I've ever recorded in a studio. Like, I don't, there's not been a single song to this day that I've recorded in a studio. Like, well, because, like, I produce myself. I like to, like, record myself. I like to mix myself and all this stuff. So, I, I don't know. It's just, I, don't, I think it's, like, sterile. I don't like that kind of working condition. It feels too rigid. It feels too professional. I, I don't like how that feels. Like, I like to be in a, in a room, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously working. <laughs> so even with uh, this new album, yeah. with Bad Son, like that was all done just on your own completely. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're not I mean, not completely like there's certain songs that I recorded with my roommate um, and, you know, I had like help with different producers. And uh, when I mixed it, it goes through my roommate who does the final mix. And oh, really? So it's really in house. I mean, obviously. Yeah, yeah, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I can't think of anything that was, like, very industry. It was all, like, homies and shit. It was, yeah. That's so cool. I mean, to be able to have the freedom to just, you know, pick and choose who you want, who you want to work with. But not only that, having your roommate be <laughs> good enough and talented enough to be like, yeah, dude, I'll mix it. And you guys together yeah. are working and then having the success that you have. Yeah, and, um, yeah, I mean, it was co-executive. So I executive produced it and then a co-executive produced by... Like my two best friends, which is my roommate, who's who mixes my music and we co-produce together, and my manager who manages, you know. But like every time I would do a song, like I would show my roommate, and then I would like go um, to West Hollywood where he lives, and like there'd be a bunch of guys there. I'd play it for them, and be like, okay, how I feel about this, you know. And then I would look at people's faces, and if it lights up, I'm like, okay, I did good. But if it's like, oh yeah, it's cool, I'm like, fuck, I have to go back and like make it way better because I, I have to <laughs> yeah. be like, green. like everything had to be extremely just incredible before it could land on the album so yeah with that like i mean coming off of an album that's doing so well and and these records that are getting millions and billions of streams uh going into your into bad son was that something that you were like oh is this gonna work again or did you not even think about it you're like i'm just gonna keep doing what i'm doing i'm gonna put out the best music i can and it's either gonna work or it's not Dude, no, it was fucking paralyzing. I, like, did not, like, I'm still kind of, like, stuck by it sometimes. But, you know, when you're, like, 20 and you get, like, a billion streams and you've never had success before, and it was on a song that you didn't even like and it doesn't <laughs> even represent anything you do, it's, like, a total mindfuck. And then, you know, you have your manager and your labels and everyone's just, just like, all right, what's the next one? What's the next one? You know, so that was weird. Um, so I was pretty stuck on it for a long time. 
I was just like emotionally very like paralyzed and uh it, it took me a long time to sort of get over and there's a lot of conversations I had with you know my friend Amit who became my manager later on and a lot of community that I developed in LA and um yeah I mean at this point I'm just like oh I mean I'm making the greatest music I've ever made I feel incredible um I'm proud you know it'd be great if one of these songs blow up and like get a billion streams like obviously but I mean even if not I'm I'm really proud of the work I'm doing, right? So it feels good to release yeah. it. Yeah. And I mean, even that, it's like you're this it's not like the album did nothing. I mean, and it's not been out like very long. And it's like you have songs on there with multiple millions of streams, right? I mean, it's not like you put it out and like, okay, and then you see like the less than one thousand yeah, on yeah. Spotify, like next to all the song. Like all of them have so many streams. And it's like and the vulnerability on the record, like the first song, I'm like, damn, like you really you know dove deep inside you know into your in your feelings yeah yeah i mean well you know the thing about the streams is it's like infinite right because i've had a billion streams so it's like someone that's like fucking done heroin and is at the highest peak and then you come back and like someone gives you like um i don't know like a free t-shirt from you like from a college i'm like oh this t-shirt would be so amazing if i didn't have a shirt but I'm already like addicted to heroin, so this is not as cool as heroin. You know this what I mean? This would be so cool if it had like heroin on it. <laughs> That's how I felt for a long time. So for me, it's like important to not even think about streams or external right, right, right. Because that's just like a competition that you can never win. Because I already like you already so won. <laughs> so yeah, I already like this thing. Like, because you can't compete against yourself unless you're like really playing that game. So for me, I like. I have to completely ignore all the shit and then just be like, okay, forget the statistics. Like what's the music? Like when you listen to the music, how does it feel? What is it about? You know? Mm -hmm. And when you went into this album, I mean, it's very vulnerable. I mean, like I said, that first song, and then I even saw the, the video with just like all this old footage and stuff. That's really cool. Like, uh, was that hard to like, you know, not only show this stuff that it was your very personal childhood videos, but like, to talk about certain things was that a something that you had to kind of ease into or were you like not worried about it or i think the only song that was hard for me was uh the spinal track american dream but mm-hmm. i think the rest were i mean it came pretty natural and um when i'm making music i'm not like imagining other people are going to hear it i just make music that's like super personal to me um yeah i mean i love inner child it, it doesn't feel like i'm I think I was worried about how my parents would feel because it's sort of personal to their life. I'm right. pretty open, but um, um, they've taken pretty well to it. And I think it's sort of like you kind of have to zoom out of just me as a person and sort of take it as like a story of immigrants or a story of the American dream and sort of make it more general as well for it to not feel so, um, I guess, claustrophobic. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you said American Dream was like the hard, you said that was the hardest one for you to put down. But yeah, uh, kind of give me the the background of why why you say that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, if you listen to it, it's just like a lot. It's like fucking five minutes of me trauma dumping, and right. I, like really, um, it was like a very difficult time in my life. Um, I think it was, yeah, I was just like really going through a lot, and uh, it's super specific to my life, and it's super revealing um and you know i was just like worried that if i drop it 
people wouldn't get it or people would be really thrown off by it. But you know what's crazy is like that and Inner Child are like almost everybody's favorite songs, which I was like not expecting, um, which is cool because those are like the pillars of the album. Um, but yeah, everybody seems to be getting it, which is really cool. Or like the people that need to get it are getting it at least. Yeah, I feel like uh, we, even with I've, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with other artists that say that like, you know, I didn't know if I want, even wanted to release this song. Like it was too personal to me. And then that's the one that does so well or people really resonate with. I feel like it's a lot to do with just like the authenticity of it. And they know that, that you know, it's just you being vulnerable. I feel like that's why TikTok and, and social media works in certain ways where it's like if somebody comes on and they're like 100% honest and transparent about what they're doing and feeling like that resonates more than somebody spending all this money and like, putting the video and like final cut and like really editing it and making it all. It's like just something about the like yeah. spontaneous, just kind of real raw of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To see that with, you know, certain songs. And I mean, it sounds like with those two very personal songs on that album, that's what people are going, Hey, those are my favorite ones. And it's like, well, yeah, cool. you're, you know, yeah. Very cool. I'm happy about that. That's awesome. Well, the record's awesome. Uh, are you doing uh, like a support for it? Like as far as like a tour or anything? We're, uh, we're, uh, you know, ah, know. <laughs> moment, but you know, there's something bubbling up. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you again so much for doing this, Curtis. I, I appreciate your time. Of course. Yeah, and I love that. I love that, and I don't know if this is true either, but just the the Curtis Waters is off like Ian Curtis. Like that's the first thing yeah. I thought. I was like, oh, Ian Curtis, and, and I was even thinking about that in my head, but I didn't read anything ab- like about you at the time. Just whenever I th- hear the name Curtis, I just think of Ian yeah. Curtis. <laughs> and even um, like songs like Manic Man were sort of inspired by like Joy Division and stuff like that, which is yeah. Curtis. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Well, uh, I have one more question for you. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Man, it's just uh I guess first of all, you got to know what you want, right? Like what why do you do music? If it's just to do it for fun, then um don't worry about all the other shit, right? Like don't worry about what anyone's saying, don't worry about the numbers, just do it cuz it makes you want to live, right? But if you're trying to make it your career and you're, you're trying to be this superstar or whatever, you can't listen to anyone. You, you just have to eat shit. You have to say fuck you to everyone. You have to like sleep on like fucking the floor. You have to travel. You have to do so much bullshit. Like it's so hard, but uh, it's worth doing. Cause if it's really in you when you're like 40, you're going to probably regret not doing it. So, you know, eat shit, dude. It'll be like the best shit you'll ever eat. It'll be good.